friends, as the volume of fearful voices around you rises with each news report and confirmed coronavirus case, I'm recording this special episode of Jimmo Memo to ask you to tap into your own inner voice. Listen and respond accordingly to what you're hearing there. This statement from the New Yorker article, How Pandemics Change History, published earlier this month, has served as a guide for me personally these past days. Epidemics are a category of disease that seem to hold up the mirror to human beings as to who we really are. So who is it that you want to be and who do you want to see in the reflection of your mirror? I want to be my best self and I know to be that person, I need to step out of the fear mode and employ some of the tools to keep myself awake, aware, and centered. In support of you being your best you, I've joined together with my trusted colleagues to offer some wisdom and advice. I'm Lauren Hubele. I'm a health coach and gymotherapy expert, and I'm here today with herbalist Terry Brooks. Terry, welcome. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Megan, and everyone watching. Uh, I just want to say that I want to see a person that uses plants responsibly, showing gratitude and reciprocity for what they are able to offer us. Beautiful. And I'm also joined by Megan um, Limp, acupuncturist. Megan, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Terry and Lauren. It's wonderful to be with you and everyone else joining in. I think that this is a really special recording and uh, I couldn't be more grateful to do it with both of you. Wonderful. So ladies, let's first acknowledge this heightened sense of fear and what fear does to our brain and our immune system, as well as our breathing patterns. Megan, I think you have a bit to share with us about that. Yeah, Lauren, thank you. I think that a great place for us to start today is just to talk about our breath and to breathe. We can tell a lot about how we're feeling and what we're thinking by watching our breath. We know that peace of mind is actually an inside job. It's easy to think that if external circumstances were easier or different, then that would be more conducive to peace of mind. And things are challenging right now, but I think that we can both choose peace of mind, even in a difficult situation, and that's a moment by moment choice. So I think a great place for us to start is, let's just take a collective breath together. So let's have this be with no effort. We're not trying to breathe a certain way or accomplish anything. Let's just do it together and watch whenever you're ready. So take note if your belly was rising and falling or if your chest was rising and falling, if your shoulders are way up, is your breath reaching your core? There's two real ways to breathe through the chest and through the abdomen. And chest breathing is something that many of us are doing and it tends to be a more shallow breath. If you watch a baby breathe, 
you'll notice that their belly is rising and falling naturally and without effort. And that's our real natural state of breath. Chest breathing becomes habituated and it's a response to the present moment or a response to life uh, where we tend to be guarding against what's happening. It's very common when we're in pain, uh, when we're having a triggering thought or a triggering situation. But there's another choice and that is abdominal breathing. And that's a more grounding breath where our abdomens rise and fall, where we breathe into our core and it fully oxygenates our body. The energetic core of our body is a few inches below the navel. And if you rest your hand there and focus your breath in that area, right away, our state of mind tends to soften a little bit and we feel more grounded. Most of us are used to chest breathing. It becomes habitual and it can feel a bit awkward to shift this. I know that it did for me, but it does become natural. And in addition to being more grounded, it reduces anxiety, it lowers our blood pressure, and it increases immunity. This is really important when we're talking about immunity. Increased oxygen in the blood is not a friendly place for viruses. Viruses tend to be anaerobic and they live best in low oxygen environments. So let's look, let's just notice how we, our breathing changes when we're stressed. We tend to shallow breathe up here. Some of us are even holding our breath and it's very common. And we know that we're in a fight or flight state when we're holding our breath or shallow breathing. Thich Nhat Hanh says, the breath is the intersection of the body and the mind. When we're breathing and practicing our abdominal breath, it's also a great time to tune in and to listen to our body. Remember that the body is a communication tool and it's telling us when it's something's wrong or it needs support or it's out of balance. And we can listen when the body is whispering before the body starts to yell because we know all oh, we all know how that feels. Mindful breathing, I think, is more powerful than most of us realize. We're all joining here today because we want to improve our health or improve our quality of life or settle our spirit. And all of that is available to us right here by breathing, by being mindful of our breath. Well, Megan, I feel more relaxed already. Don't you, Terry? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Thank you. Thank you for your beautiful words. So in addition to working with your breath, we can also certainly use our energy in more resourceful ways. Certainly more resourceful than checking the news or the social media about the news. Terry, I think you have some ideas for us. What can you share? First, I'd like to say that I, I'm looking at the prospect of us being at the edge, and at the edge is not always a comfortable place to be. We are at the edge of what's predictable and what is possible, which could be a very bright future. We are also at the edge of being prepared or being scared. And as Megan mentioned, we have choices. We certainly have choices here. I like to think of energy and emotions as things that need to be moved. And that's why the word emotion, it has the word motion in it. It has to be moved. And so my best remedy for myself, and I think for a lot of people, is to move and do it, preferably outdoors. 
you can exercise if that's, you know, if you like calisthenics or anything like that, but any kind of motion, walk, do yoga, do tai chi, go swimming, take a hike in some places where there's still snow, you might still get to do some skiing or some snowshoeing kinds of things, but get outside. It's, it's very important. And again, it will increase that oxygen uptake. The breath becomes more natural when you're doing these things. And uh, it's just, it's so important. This is one way that we can move the energy and the emotion through our body so it's not stuck there. So that fear and anxiety does not get stuck. Other ways, singing, humming, chanting, toning, they're all setting up a vibratory response in your body, dealing with frequency, and that also will move energy. Um, laughter yoga, a lot of people have not heard of these sorts of things, but I, I heard about it oh, maybe 10 years ago. And at the time I was in a very stressful work situation, a little blurb on NPR somewhere and they were talking about laughter yoga. And I thought, I've got to bring this to work. And it was kind of a weird, uncomfortable thing, but I put a note out in the staff uh, email that day laughter yoga tomorrow morning at seven o'clock and people showed up, but they were nervous. What do we do? What, what does it mean? <laughs> How come I've never heard of this before? And it just starts with ha 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 in a group of people. Could be two, could be one. Ha ha ha, ha ha ha. Pretty soon if there's more than one person, it's a natural laugh and you're getting again, the increased oxygen, the vibration, the frequency transfer, all of that. There are other methods that I'm not expert in, but I think have great benefit. And one of them is EFT tapping, so emotional freedom techniques. You can find a lot of information on that everywhere. Aromatherapy. Um, I like to diffuse certain things. Lavender is very calming. Other plants are very antiseptic. You can refer to a lot of people more expert than I am on these topics. And an old, old custom is smudging. And more and more recent scientific evidence is showing the benefits of decreasing the viral and bacterial toxins in our air. Our ancestors did it. It's just simply burning dried plant material to cleanse not just the air, but the mood, the uh, energy in a space. And so in Minnesota, we use either a variety of um, a sage plant is really an artemisia or cedar, juniper, something like that. Those are just some suggestions. And I realize these all sound very, uh, maybe even flippant because of the seriousness of the situation we are in, but they do work. They are tools that you can add on to what you already know to do. Yeah. You know, Terry and Megan, this is a beautiful time for remembering how things were done before because many of our modern tools as, uh, are not working. And it's an opportunity for us to think back, how did our grandparents do things? How did our great grandparents do things? And find some more simple approaches. Terry, that was a wealth of resources. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So um, we cannot begin to look at immunity without discussing diet and elimination. And those are two topics very near and dear to me and I've built a practice around them these years. 
Our immune system requires optimal elimination for it to get rid of, excuse me, neutralized pathogens. So if the immune system neutralizes a pathogen, we've got to be able to rid it from our body with optimal elimination. That means our kidneys and colon need support. And we get that support by avoiding inflammatory foods that slow elimination. So one of the first things that I encourage my new clients to do is to start their meal, their day with a cleansing process for the immune system. And that cleansing process begins with um, a meal we're going to add to the day. It's a pre-breakfast. And what it allows for the body to do is begin cleaning from all the metabolic waste that occurred overnight while you were sleeping. And this um, is an extra meal. I wanna be really clear. I'm not asking anyone to replace their meals right now. There's enough stress in your life. We, we just want to add them. And you can begin with a minimum of one serving of one of these whole fresh fruits, um, but more is even better if you happen to enjoy this process. Just whatever you consume, have it be on an empty stomach and have it be before your typical breakfast. So recommended um, for improving the body's cleaning process would be apples, which are plentiful right now. Um, citrus, again, very plentiful fruit right now. And in some areas of the country, we can still be getting grapes. Excellent resources. There are some others that will be better as the spring and summer rolls in, and those would be berries, melons, or mangoes. It's best only to consume one kind, um, have a full serving, and then more if you feel up to that. And then Megan, what about the rest of your day? You have some lovely suggestions for everyone. Yeah, so I think it's a great place to start for us to talk about how to start the day and then to look at our diets for the rest of the day. What is it that we're taking in? And when we're talking about immunity, is it supporting the movement of our fluids and the ability of our body to clean itself or is it not? So there are no foods that are inherently good or bad. So we're not trying to categorize foods like that. We're trying to keep our eye on the goal of what we're trying to do here. And just like Lauren said, the goal is that when we neutralize pathogens, we need to be able to let the body do what it was designed to do, which is to naturally clean itself and to refresh itself. So I think one thing that's really important to talk about that tends to be aggravating to a lot of people's digestion is dairy. And when I talk about dairy, I have to start by saying that I am not a real extremist about diet. I find that a lot of people in my practice these days are much more focused on what they're not eating than what they are. And I think it's important to derive pleasure from food and to make sure that our focus is on the whole foods and the plants that we are eating more than to focus on what we're avoiding. But when we're talking about immunity and we're keeping our eye on a specific goal, it is really important to look at what interrupts our ability to move fluids and to effectively clean waste. And since we, we know that immunity is very rooted in our gut, when I did some looking at this, I found out that the typical American eats over 250 pounds of dairy a year. 
So that's a lot. And I think if we're looking honestly at our digestion, for most people, dairy can be a difficult to digest food. For some people, it loosens the stool. For some people, it slows the stool. But it seems to negatively impact many people's ability to digest. And energetically, it slows the movement of fluids. We know that. And we know that when our chi, which makes our body and mind, that when our chi and our fluids stop moving effectively, inflammation is more likely to set in. The other thing is that dairy is typically, in our culture, consumed cold. So if we think about things like yogurt or ice cream or reaching into the refrigerator for a glass of milk, through the lens of Asian medicine, taking in cold food and fluid compromises the main digestive organs just by making their job a lot harder. In traditional Chinese and Japanese medicine, we look at fatty and fried foods or rich and sweet foods as promoting what we call damp. And dairy falls into this category. We want the body to be neutral, not too hot, not too cold, not too damp, not too dry. These are disharmonies that just simply act as obstacles to our body being able to effectively do its natural job of cleaning and refreshing us. And what damp does is that it slows the movement of chi and blood. Remember that the nature of chi is movement. And again, dis-ease or problems start to arise when our ability to clean effectively and move fluids effectively is compromised. So for that reason, when we're at times when we need to increase immunity, it's really important to look at things that might be disturbing our digestion. Megan, thank you. So well put. Terry, is there anything you'd like to add to this? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, as an herbalist, I would be remiss if I didn't first mention to use culinary herbs abundantly. Every one of them has numerous benefits in our diet, um, whether it be antiviral, antibacterial, just the chemical constituents that are in synthesis with each other. The synergy of those does a lot. So if, it doesn't matter if we're talking about rosemary, thyme, um, peppermint, all kinds of herbs are beneficial. Use them abundantly. Season your food with them. I look at plants as being just a sunshine factory. That's what they are. They've absorbed the sun and they have um, created these chemicals to protect themselves from, anti from viruses and bacteria and insects, of course, and they can benefit us in the same way. Particularly uh, valuable, I think any, any plant is going to help. And of course, they all increase the amount of fiber that we're taking in, which is going to help that stool move and take those toxins out quicker. But those in the cruciferous family are of great benefit for so many things. They're high in fiber, which improves the elimination. They reduce oxidative stress. They're high in vitamin C, E, K, and folate, which is sometimes hard to get. They're low in calories. They have a lot of phytonutrients, those chemical, chemical constituents that lower inflammation and reduce cancer risk in many cases. One of the chemicals that they talk a lot about is sulforaphanes, and they have found in scientific studies that they reduce anxiety and depression, they reduce pain, 
They, re they lower blood pressure. They can um, reduce the risk of diabetes. And they also help with H. pylori infection, mm -hmm. as well as many other things not mentioned. And the thing about this is I think a lot of people think, oh, I don't like broccoli or, oh, I don't like cauliflower. Well, there are so many choices. One of my favorites is actually a leafy green called arugula. And it can be put in every salad, every sandwich, every pilaf, you can put it everywhere. It's easy to grow. Get a packet of seed, it just, it, one little tiny row will last you all summer long. And if you have, if you're living in a very warm place where it might get bitter and tough, plant another row in two, three weeks, keep it going. Um, arugula, so is one. Any Chinese vegetable like bok choy, there are so many choices. Broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, kale. Another one of my favorites, kohlrabi, doesn't get mentioned very often. Looks kind of like a spaceship. And radishes and turnips are also in this family. So you, you see, we have a lot of choices. Terry, great, thank you. We, um, being a vegan household with two 18-year-old vegans, go through a lot of Brussels sprouts. I don't even want to tell you how many we go through a week. You know, for people that are new to looking at these vegetables, I want to refer you to my website. I have a wealth of um, recipes on there. They've all been personally tested in my home and personally team tested. So um, please have a look around. Um, a lot of those vegetables that Terry mentioned can be grated and eaten raw as well. And so we don't always have to have this image of cooked or steamed vegetables, but we can use those raw in salads. So wonderful, Terry, thanks. Yes. So moving from food, the next topic of extreme importance in boosting your immunity and supporting it every day, and particularly during these times, is adequate rest. And studies show there is an absolute direct correlation between our sleep and our immune response. And I know that you, Megan, have a lot of thoughts on this. Can you help me out here? Yeah, Lauren, I think that, um, well, we know that restful sleep is important. I think that we all know firsthand how we feel when we have a night or maybe consecutive nights where we don't get much rest. Our, our body feels different, our mind feels different. We know that lack of sleep and lack of rest compromises the immune system. And I think it's important to note that whether we're conscious of this or not, many of us reserve rest, not necessarily sleep, but rest for when we're sick. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really important mental pattern to identify um, because if we flip that around, there's a lot of potential in there. A, we don't need to reserve rest for when we're sick because if we indulge ourselves in just a little bit of rest every day, we're a lot less likely to get sick. We tend to focus on healthy eating or exercising, and the rest piece is often overlooked. It's just as important to our well-being as the other pieces that we've discussed so far. And again, you don't need to be sick to offer yourself a day of rest. But we can also offer ourselves moments of rest. We all have lives and we all have things we need to do. And one thing that I've discovered, I have two young kids and a family and my practice and, and some days tend to be full. 
And I've discovered something that is very nourishing for me and helps me to feel more rested throughout the day. And it's what I call micro pauses. We've all heard of a 20 minute power nap, but micro pauses is something that I wasn't doing until recently. And it looks like this for me when I arrive somewhere. I like to close my eyes sometimes if I can, set a timer and just relax and rest for two or three minutes. And it can sound like maybe that's not enough time. And certainly a 20 minute power nap is wonderful, but you would be amazed if we really stopped this recording and all paused for two or three minutes. It is enough time to really soften into the present moment and just to really feel nourished and rested. It's a great time when you're doing that to breathe and to practice watching our thoughts. Together, breathing and watching our thoughts is the basis for many meditation techniques, which is another thing that can help us throughout the day really feel rested. Often we separate the time when we sit and we nourish ourselves or we meditate and quiet our mind. We separate that from the rest of the day. And the micro pauses is really a way to bring that peace and that nourishment and calm that we can tap into, bring that throughout the day with us. Yeah. Terry, you have a suggestion, don't you, on this topic? Well, this came about as a result of going to physical therapy for a back injury. And they recommend something called active rest, which is simply laying down on your back, scooting your derriere up close to a couch or something at about that level, and put your shin or your calves rather onto the couch, get as close as you can. So you're kind of in that Z, I don't know what letter that would be. <laughs> your legs are resting on the couch and you're on the floor. And um, that position allows so much relaxation. It calms your nervous system. It relieves muscle tension. It uses your own body's weight to relax the muscles. And it can tend to slow a chattering mind. I like to combine that with Megan's idea of doing some breathing practices. And for myself, one of the breathing practices I like to use is to choose a certain length, an interval or a count of how long you want your intake, your, your inhale to be. For me, I can do this very long. So but I'm going to suggest maybe take an intake of four counts and pause, hold for a count or two, and then exhale for twice the amount of time. So in that case, I would exhale for eight counts and another slow, just pause before I inhale again. I think it allows you to, I think the problem with breathing tension in the chest is often that we don't exhale enough. Yeah, I'm sure you would agree with that, Megan. Yeah. Yeah. So that's some words on rest and Moving from that topic, I want to um, bring up the topic of how we might spend our time when we're not resting, but we need a little break. And there is a Buddhist saying that the busier you are, the longer you need to meditate. And I would say something similar about our time in nature. The more stress you have, the more important it is that you let your natural being connect with all the natural beings around us, trees in particular. 
And Terry, I bet you have some more you can add to this for us. I took my own advice before we met here this afternoon and uh, did go outside for a while. I would say, again, I'm thinking about at the edge, at the edge of human and non-human communication, for example, in this case. Um, there is a practice in Japan that has been going on for quite some time called Shinrin-yoku, which means forest bathing. And you can actually get trained in this practice. But um, there is a Japanese Society of Forest Medicine that have done a lot of research on this. And these are just some of the benefits. And they're talking about an experience of spending two hours one day in a forest, hiking or sitting, listening, being observant. And in that two hours, that one day, they have found that the benefits last for almost a week. And some of these benefits are increased natural killer cells up 40%. That benefits the body about seven days. Short-term memory up, mood, focus improved, energy level improved, better sleep, better vision, better recovery from surgery and illnesses, which could be really important here if, if you know that you have been infected with this virus, better immune function, and lowered blood pressure, lowered pulse rate, lowered stress, lower levels of cortisol, the stress hormone, and lower incidence of myop myopia. So it seems to me that there's a lot going on here. We are benefiting from the natural light that we, whether it's sunny or not, you're getting natural light outside. That's going to raise your vitamin D levels. Low vitamin D is putting us at risk of respiratory infections at just one thing. Um, there are new chemicals that they've labeled phytoncides, and these are organic compounds that are emitted by the plants and trees, and they've been proven to boost immunity. At some point, they called them aerosols, but every plant has these that allow them to communicate with each other and protect themselves and to protect each other. There's a herd immunity amongst the plants as well, believe it or not. Um, those are the scientific reasons for going outside and spending time in nature. I like to think of the anti-scientific or the mm. artful reasons to go outside. And that is you can focus on all your senses. You remove yourself from the human condition for a time. Um, listen, smell, observe with your eyes, taste if you know what you're doing. It can tend to increase your awe of the natural world and what we benefit from every day. I feel a great sense of gratitude when I'm able to do this. This morning, or shortly before we met, I went out and just in 20 minutes around my yard, I picked a variety of seed pods, um, everything from milkweed to thistles to, here's my little thistle, <laughs> um, wild cucumbers. Wow. You know, you can take your kids with you, look for the seeds. Um, variety pine cones, berries, and so on. Those are what's remaining from this past year. But more fun, even in Minnesota where there's ground is still covered with snow, mullein leaf, one of my favorite respiratory herbs, 
yarrow, one of my favorite blood cleansing herbs, fresh moss, strawberry leaves, and here, this is even more impressive. I'm comparing the buds, I don't know where this is gonna be seen, the buds of some of the plants that we use. This is lithy. I don't know if you can see how cool it is. Yeah. That is already in frozen Minnesota, putting out leaves, um, lilac, and so on. We've got dogwood. I mean, just to compare, to look at them, I do this with my grandson. He's a genius at finding it. <laughs> this one's almost ready to burst open. Well, not quite, but it's, it's getting there. So that's also very beneficial. And maybe I'm an old hippie. I don't know. I don't, don't think I'm quite old enough to be considered that. But I still think there's benefit to hug a tree, to lean against it, to sit by it. I introduce myself and I tell the tree, thank you for the exchange of gases that allow both of us to be here. Terry, so beautiful. You're speaking right to my heart, right? My, exactly my language. Thank you so much for that. Just, just being in the presence of trees remind, reminds us constantly of what is real. Unfortunately, in our world today, there is so much that we're inundated with that, that just isn't real. And taking a few minutes there, um, is a great point to come back to center and, and, and reality, as I would call it. So you've given me the perfect lead in with those gorgeous buds to talk about gemotherapy. So if any of you are listening for the first time, I want to ask you to go back to our introduction and learn a little bit about gemotherapy and also why the three of us are hanging out recording together. But we have a very special protocol that we want to share with you today that um, we believe will help support you in addition to all these beautiful tips that you've already listened to. And um, I'm going to give you an either or choice on this first one for a morning, a morning protocol. And um, right now, if there's no congestion present, but you just want to protect and boost yourself, for not only the current coronavirus, but for all the remaining flus and bronchial infections that are still circulating these um, in our areas. Um, I want you to look at two extracts and they are blackthorn and sea buckthorn. And the dosage on these would be somewhere between one to 12 drops each from toddlers to geriatric adults. I want you to consult with your practitioner or one of my books or blog for more individualized dosages. These extracts when taken together do exactly what we need right now to support the important immune functions of our body. They work synergistically together, improving not only the response time um, for our immune system, but also um, its effectiveness. Sea buckthorn also helps um, modify pH levels in inflamed areas, so it's a great rapid response extract. Megan, is there anything quick you want to add about that combination? No, I think you've done it. Thank you. Okay, great. Then if, for instance, sinus congestion is present, and it's spring in many areas and where I am for, in Texas, a lot of people are already suffering from sinus congestion, which 
you know, it's an environment for that would be um, a healthy environment for more bacteria to grow. We want to clear that out. We want to keep those that mucus fluid and moving. So instead, you might opt to this protocol, and this would be common alder, black currant, and dog rose. These all um, have excellent benefits together, working with common alder, moving. It's the transportation vehicle, black currant, resolving inflammation, and um, supporting the effectiveness of the other extracts, and dog rose, boosting your immune response. You can listen to our podcasts on each one of those extracts and to learn a lot more. And then I want to move into what you do when you get home from your day. And about dinner time, it's really important to support those lungs. And the lungs are being affected by this particular virus, but are suspect for all types of colds, flus, and viruses this time of year. And the extract that we depend on for that is hazel, which is an excellent tonic for the um, lungs and for the liver, but it improves the elasticity of the lungs and its ability to respond well in um, the case of inflammation. So um, if, for instance, there is a cough present, then we have a different protocol for you, and I would recommend the extract hornbeam. And again, you can look up each one of these on our collection of podcasts, and I encourage you to do so. Um, let's see, ladies, any parting thoughts that you have for our audience? Megan, what about you? Oh, this has just been a, a very nourishing and healing just to all be together and to revisit the things that we already know, but it always helps to to live it and to join and to remind ourselves and to remind ourselves that we can create an environment both in our body and in our mind where we take advantage of the choices we have and we respond appropriately instead of reacting. Yeah, beautiful. And Terry, you had some questions you posed for people to consider. First, I like to just reiterate what Megan says about a moment to moment choice because it's very easy to get um, just ignited about something you hear or read or see. But I, I wonder if we shouldn't take this pause because it will be a pause and wonder if we can find the gifts, the lessons and the work that might be unearthed, unearthed being a really potent term here um, during this coronavirus infestation. I wonder if we can't do that. And I'm thinking myself that one of the gifts is to focus on the necessity for self-care as well as taking care of everybody else. Take care of yourself uh, and going inward to examine what exactly are your fears and your fears for others. And as far as my lessons, I think a lesson for all of us is that we need and we are dependent on others, whether it is asking for help or trusting that people will quarantine when it's advisable and so on. We are all connected. It is imperative that we re recognize that again because we have not been very cognizant of that in our culture. My work, I think, 
um, is to reach out and assist where I can, to comply with quarantine if it becomes necessary for myself. And even if it's just a phone call or a real snail mail letter to touch people, to get in touch with people again. Yeah, Terry, beautiful. I, I think this is a really um, important time to look to your community and see what you can be offering. Um, this is a time for compassion. It's a time for empathy. Um, we all are in this together. And being isolationist about this is not going to solve our problem. Um, we need to take care of ourselves. And we've given you some beautiful advice here and some self-care tips. And I do hope you will take heart and consider implementing them in your day and in your week. And I want you to reach out to your neighbors who are also struggling, who are frightened, and maybe don't have the access to information like this and see what you might share, what might resonate with them. So uh, just a quick note about each one of us, if you're listening for the first time, um, I'm a gemotherapist. That's my expertise. I've written about it. And I actually have a brand new book, very interestingly, com coming out um, just now, Restoring Your Immunity. This book is only going to be available on my website. This is an advanced print we got in um, recently. And so Restoring Your Immunity, it's a step-by-step -step guide for individuals. And you can find that on my website, laurenhubelay.com. Megan, where can people gain a little more information about what you've shared today? Yeah, thank you. You can visit my website, which is aculemp.com. And I also want to open it up that if you feel like you need support and you have questions about what we talked today, um, we'd be happy to talk about it a little bit more via email through our website addresses or to uh, point you in a direction that can help you. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks, Megan. And Terry, what about you? I would like to recommend the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. And if you just go to natureandforesttherapy.org, there are a load of resources there, very interesting articles. Um, one of my favorite authors is Richard Louvre, and he's written several books. Two of my favorites being Last Child in the Woods and The Nature Principle. His last name is L-O-U-V. And my other favorite, <laughs> The Global Forest, 40 Ways Trees Can Save Us. This is very easily readable. It's a small book, short chapters, and Diana Beresford Kroger again comes to our aid and tells us what each tree can offer us. Oh, fantastic. Great. Ladies, it's always an honor to spend time with you. Thank you for sharing your, your rich wisdom and gifts. And we wish all of you listening all the best and to be well and take care and breathe.